welcome to my podcast, World Through a Poem's Eye, in conjunction with my website, marilynonaroll.wordpress.com, where you'll find the poems I talk about and the scripts for these podcasts. I'm thinking today about a poem by Carol Frost called To Kill a Deer. Fair warning, the images in this poem are exactly as the title suggests. To Kill a Deer by Carol Frost Into the changes of autumn brush the doe walked and the hide, head, and ears were the tinsel browns. They made her. I could not see her. She reappeared, stuffed with apples, and I shot her. Into the pines she ran, and I ran after. I might have lost her, seeing no sign of blood or scuffle, but felt myself part of the woods, a woman with a doe's ears, and heard her dying, counted her last breaths like a song of dying, and found her dying. I shot her again because her lungs rattled like castanets, then poked her with the gun barrel because her eyes were dusty and unreal. I opened her belly and pushed the insides like rotted fruit into a rabbit hole, skinned her, broke her leg joints under my knee, took the meat, smelled the half-digested smell that was herself. Ah, I closed her eyes. I left her refolded in some briars with the last sun on her head like a benediction, head tilted on its axis of neck and barren bone, head bent, wordless over a death, though I heard the night wind blowing through her fur, heard riot in the emptied head. The season is waning, but I'm yearly startled at coming upon, often on a cleared power line, a man with a gun, usually also sporting a reflective vest, an orange hat, but not as startled as I am when I stumble upon the leavings of the hunt, whether it's the scene of a human hunter, often a blood trail where the deer is pulled to a truck, or the slightly more scattered but a bit cleaner one of a coyote kill. They do a good cleanup. I am repelled and interested by these scenes. I like a good reminder of what the body is made of, a fascination of sinew, an architecture of bones. I live too much in maid world, a clean kitchen. I eat meat. I feel I must be okay with this. The blood on the snow, a hoof, portions of a dismembered body, once fleet and big-eyed, ear-twitching, now disembodied, rent. I need to understand the blood on my hands. And of course, death is among us always. A loved one here, a war crime there, terrible accident unthinkable slaughter, and just the dull fact of the mortality of all things that live, which then die. I think about it, well, not infrequently. 
and change too, and the vulnerability of us sometimes in the face of change, even change we've wrought upon ourselves. I am in the process of trying to dismantle an old aspect of myself. When I look myself in the eye, do I see all myself in the mirror or just the self I am today? If I look closely, I may see a spot of some blood, a seep of guts. It was Sean Singer's wonderfully curated daily selection that set this poem in front of me. Death is front and center in Carol Frost's To Kill a Deer. The speaker is woman, is Diana, goddess of the hunt, is every human who has lost and bent ahead over the loss, over the mysterious passage of a live thing to what is left after life has ended. It is a difficult poem to experience. The poet makes it so. She does not want you to look away. She herself cannot look away. The deer is a deer, yes, but an interesting poem is not just one thing. It's the thing and another thing. Into the changes of autumn brush, the doe walked in the hide, head and ears were the tinsel browns they made her. I love how this expresses what it's like to suddenly realize where once there was woods, suddenly there is woods with deer. They appear to the eyes so bewitchingly like that as a whirling kaleidoscope settles. The manifold colors of the autumn woods unscramble to include deer shape. I could not see her. She reappeared, stuffed with apples. I love the quick confusion I experience here, a vision of a large platter, some roast beast with an apple in its mouth, but no, with the next line, what was dead and on a platter is alive. Then, and I shot her into the pines. She ran and I ran after. I might have lost her, seeing no sign of blood or scuffle, but felt myself part of the woods, a woman with a doe's ears, and heard her. To be a hunter, I imagine you must think like the prey. You must become the prey. If you were they, where would you go and go there? Hearing in your own ears your own advance. Hunter, hunting, the hunter, hunting. Dying, counted her last breaths like a song of dying and found her dying. So much dying in those two lines. Dying being a gerund, that verb form of ongoing. The terrible slowness of it over two lines. I shot her again because the lungs rattled like castanets, then poked her with the gun barrel because her eyes were dusty and unreal. It seems a terrible moment, this poking with the gun barrel. But I get it. They look so lifelike, the just dead. All body but missing what's missing, that other thing that the living is, life. What is it? The blink, the rise of chest, a twitch of muscle. Now, no, nothing. I opened her belly and pushed the insides like rotted fruit into a rabbit hole, skinned her, broke her leg joints under my knee, took the meat, smelled the half-digested smell that was herself. Ah, I closed her eyes. In those unrelenting lines, the poet forces us to see it all, 
the gore, the required violences against the body, hear it, the muffled snap, smell it. And then that moment, that moment of what? Benediction, salvation, prayer, connection. It is a complicated moment to come to terms with. Here is a dead creature and the creature that killed it, who has touched its body all over, has emptied it both of consciousness and guts. The writer forces us to witness it all. Then, ah, the killer says, and pulls the lids down. It must be gentle, that motion. Those windows, the eyes of the soul, wrote someone, though no one can quite recall who. Certainly a living thing looking into the eyes of another living thing sees something recognizable, some energy, which undeniably leaves with death. Does the hunter close the eyes to escape the evidence of the departure of life at her hands? Is it a romantic gesture on the poet's part? Does it allow the hunter to act out her gratitude for the meals provided? I don't know. Can you forgive the hunter in that moment? No. But yes. But but the moment lingers and the distress and the hunter's desire to make some motion toward connection, kindness, toward grace. And isn't there in that gesture other bodies, other eyes being closed under a gentle hand? I did not witness my mother's death, but she is here in that moment. Other loved ones for whom someone else made that simple gesture of farewell. If I banish that old self of mine, a self that may have worked for me at one point but may not be useful now, may I gently close her eyes. I left her refolded in some briars with the last sun on her head like a benediction head tilted on its axis of neck and barren bone, head bent, wordless over a death, though I heard the night wind blowing through her fur, heard riot in the empty head. Feel the slipperiness in these last lines between the deer and the hunter, the head tilted, the bent head, the silence, the emptied head, the cacophony therein. Who is the deer, the hunter, the dead, the living, Whose eyes are open? Who's closed?